Welcome to another episode of The Greenhouse Athens, a podcast from The Greenhouse Church in Athens, Tennessee. This podcast exists to provide an in-depth, practical conversation based on the teachings from our Sunday morning gatherings. Additionally, we hope to encourage and challenge people in their walk with Christ through the testimonies of other believers. This past Sunday, we studied Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, and the origin of deacons in the early church. Church structure matters, but the church doesn't operate like a business with a CEO and a board of directors. While it has aspects of business, the main concern is how policies, procedures, and structure honor God, care about people, and carry out the mission of God in the world. On today's episode, Todd Humbert, our lead pastor, explains the role of deacons in the church in an episode titled, All About Deacons. Hey, Greenhouse Church and community, uh, Todd Humbert here coming at you with a summary from our last Sunday, and I want to zero in on the word and the position and even the posture of deacon. So this past week, we looked at Acts chapter 6, and if you're familiar with the word deacon, then, then you've probably been around a congregational-type church that has a, de- a deacon leadership structure, and uh, sometimes that word doesn't stimulate a lot of positive feelings, especially if you've been involved in uh, deteriorating church uh, community or splits. And and that's sad because the church is supposed to be a movement of serving one another and love toward the community, especially proclaiming Christ. And so, which is one reason why I want us to spend a little bit more time talking about the word deacon. So let's look back at Acts chapter 6. There's two basic problems in Acts chapter 6. One is an organizational capacity problem. There are a lot of new believers, over 5,000 believers, and there's not, there's not but maybe 12 main leaders. So this sort of smells of uh, Exodus 18. If you go back to Exodus 18 and you see this one person, Moses, trying to, um, and his brother Aaron, trying to govern over 2 million people, and uh, his father-in-law has to say, hey, it's not good for you, and it's not good for these people for you to do this alone. You need qualified, godly, unbiased leadership to help you. And so he delegates and appoints certain leaders to help him in that. And so you see sort of the same problem happening here in the first church. God has opened wide the doors for over 5,000 people to come to know Christ and follow him, and they resettle their lives in and around Jerusalem, and you've got this organizational capacity problem. So that's one problem you have. The second problem you have is sort of this cultural snobbery. You've got these Greek-speaking Jews, widows, um, uh, versus these Hebrew culture, uh, Aramaic-speaking widows, and one group is practicing what we what we uh, called ethnocentrism on Sunday, where your particular culture or idea of culture and values um, is better than and looks down on others. And we kind of summarize that in the word cultural snobbery. So that there was the two issues happening here, organizational capacity and cultural snobbery. And so this particular position of deacon, or the seven, as it's later called in Acts 21.8, this particular position was born out of necessity, which much of leadership is born out of that. So uh, what these people needed to do, what the elders needed to do, excuse me, not elders, apostles needed to do in the um, Acts chapter 6 was, one, determine the overall goals of God for the church, which already knew in Acts 1.8 that you're going to be my witnesses here in Jerusalem, uh, the area of Judea, the other places like Samaria, and then the other parts of the earth. And so they knew God's goals for the church. And then what they needed to also do in Acts chapter 6 
was to distill their own roles while valuing others' roles. Because you, as you see in Acts 2 and Acts 4, the apostles are taking in uh, financial resources from people and distributing those resources themselves to people that have need. Now, you do this, and, and that sounds great and is and very noble and virtuous, but you, you put that together along with visiting homes and ministering to people and counseling and leading and praying and studying the Word in order to preach the Word. They, they just didn't have time. So they had to distill their own roles while valuing others' roles, and then they had to faithfully delegate roles to dependable, godly leaders. And that's what you see here in Acts chapter 6, this faithful delegation to dependable, godly leaders. So we've, we've got some different beliefs about what's happening here in Acts chapter 6. I happen to think that this is the sort of primordial, uh, embryonic, or forerunner to what we know as deacons. Um, uh, some people uh, have divergent beliefs. So let me just run through those really quickly. So you, you, you know, one is some people say that that uh, this group stands alone and it has no later formation of, of the role of deacon in the church. It's just the seven, which Acts 21.8 says these are the seven. And so that it's just sort of an independent group. Some people say even that these seven appointed uh, deacons uh, with Greek-speaking names, these are the Gentile apostles. So uh, very few scholars believe that, but some do believe that. Uh, I, I take a little bit of issue in that because the Acts 6 and the rest of Acts never explicitly says that or implicitly says that, never implies it or says it. Also, uh, they don't necessarily do only Gentile ministry. They minister initially to a Jewish audience. And also, the, the biggest issue with that is that the apostles are addressing a uh, a Jesus-centered community problem, what I would call a gospel problem, that that you have this cultural snobbery that does not reflect the gospel that gives value and meaning to all the earth, to all people, where Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. And so looking across the table and seeing somebody of a different culture or a different ethnicity or, or speaking a different language, the, the gospel unites people around the foundation of Jesus. And so th that that is part of what Acts chapter 6 is, is addressing is, is this cultural snobbery. And so that if we were to say those seven were appointed as apostles simply to Gentiles, then that really wouldn't solve the issues that Acts 6 poses to us. Plus, if you look later on, Peter um, is the apostle primarily to the Jews, but he's the first apostle to speak to Gentiles. And then if you look at Paul's ministry, he says he's primarily an apostle to Gentiles, but he starts with Jewish audiences in his missionary journey. So, so if we were to take those two characters and read them back into Acts six. That's not what's happening here. But let me let's let's look at what it hopefully is happening here. What we see in Acts chapter six is the verb form of deacon. So if we put it in English, it would sound like this: deaconing, deaconing, or um, we can translate this serving or ministering. The word deacon literally means servant. It comes from the Greek word meaning uh, a Greek word uh, pronounced diakonos, which is servant. And and the verb form is diakoneo. And that basically means to serve or to minister in a serving kind of capacity. So this, you see in Acts chapter 6, these appointed people serving or ministering. Uh, historically, deacons have provided compassionate ministry. They have 
uh, served the vulnerable within their communities, widows and orphans, and they have even helped with practical needs like baptism uh, historically. Uh, scripturally, when we look at when we look at the Bible, uh, you do see something called church polity or church governance. You see how God has structured the church, and I, I really appreciate the leader, Will Manichi, who uh, says in his uh, book, Unique Church, that structure always follows strategy. You never want your structure to inhibit your strategy. And so I happen to believe that policies and procedures always are in place to honor God and benefit people. And so it, church polity is important. And sometimes it, it's sort of the the yawning you do when you hear about church structure, okay, and church leadership and flow charts and things like that. Um, but you, you basically have a few different um, uh, a, a few different structures uh, historically about what the church is to look like. And one of those is you have elders that are, are providing pastoral and shepherding oversight of the church and deacons that come alongside them and provide more practical um, everyday, uh, everyday needs. Uh, and when you look at the New Testament, you see a very simple organic church structure. You see something very simple. It's not ornate. It's not complex. It's not developed. And basically, as you read through the book of Acts, you see layers of church uh, government or church structure birthed out of necessity, exactly like you see in Acts 6. There's this organizational capacity problem. There is this cultural snobbery problem. So we're going to point leadership to take care of both of those. So you, you see basically two different kinds of leaders in the New Testament in this simple church. One is referred to as an overseer, a bishop, an elder, a pastor, or a leader. You see that in 1 Timothy 3, Titus chapter 1, Acts chapter 20, 1 Peter chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 4, and Hebrews chapters thir chapter 13. If you want to go and look those up, and then you see the word deacon also. So you have this sort of this uh, out front uh, uh, speaking, uh, exhorting, proclaiming, heralding the word of God sort of position, and then you see the word deacon, diakonos or diakonia, the servant also, and you see this most explicitly this church structure, this simple organic church structure in Philippians chapter 1, where, where uh, Paul writes to the church of Philippi, and he says he is uh, greeting everyone there with the overseers and deacons. So you see this simple church structure in, in the book of Philippians that uh, there's the congregation, there's overseers, and there's deacons. And then you see in 1 Timothy 3 the qualifications for deacons. You even see deacons referred to in um, Romans chapter 16, where our sister Phoebe is referred to as a deacon. In some of our English translations, it says a servant. The literal word there is a deacon of the church. Um, so you, you see this, uh, uh, these scattering, these sprinkling, uh, maybe I should say, of words deacon throughout the New Testament. But there's not a whole lot of content. There's not a whole lot of content when it comes to uh, a deacon. You know, the, 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 the authors of the New Testament wrote out of specific historical context. They didn't write down, you know, leadership books about what an elder does and what a deacon does uh, outside of what was happening in the New Testament church. So, uh, but we do find if we um, take all of those references and put them together, we, we find a good bit about deacons, but you find mostly parameters about responsibility, which... Um, tell me that that God, the way he structured his church, has allowed his church with certain parameters to be adaptable and contextual to, to meet uh, the needs within our particular con, uh, context. Uh, one thing we do 
when we do look at Philippians 1 and we see the simple church structure of elders and deacons, one thing we do find uh, in the, uh, the distinction of deacons, not in the elders, is that there's no mention in the qualifications of a deacon that they should have the skill of teaching. That doesn't mean that a deacon can't teach because certainly Stephen did and Philip did later on in in the book of Acts, which we'll see uh, in in sermons to come. But there wasn't a qualification that they had to be skilled in communicating. Um, But elders, however, did have to have some kind of skill in either defending the faith or communicating the faith according to uh, Titus 1 and according to 1 Timothy 3. And this is a, a, also a distinction I think that Peter picks up on in 1 Peter chapter 4, where he, he uh, basically, again, this simple church structure, he says, you know, there, there are going to be those who speak, and if you speak, speak the word of God. And then there are going to be those who serve. If you serve, serve by the strength of God. And the bottom line is this, that whether you speak or whether you serve, do this all for the glory of God, which he says here in 1 Peter 4, 10, and 11. So um, two books that I want to recommend to you before we dive any more into deacons is uh, the book Deacons by Matt Smithhurst, and then another book um, by Alexander Strach called Paul's Vision for the Deacons, Assisting the Elders with the Care of the Church. I think those are would be great, um, would be great. Uh, books to read. So what about the role of deacons, okay? Let me, let's address the role of deacons, what we find the role of deacons to be in the New Testament. And and I, I think it uh, boils down to this. Since the, the word deacon um, tells us something about the role of deacon, the servant, uh, servant um, at Greenhouse, we call deacons servant leaders. We call elders pastoral leaders. So you've got this uh, Philippians 1-1 structure, hopefully, at Greenhouse. You've got overseers and deacons. You've got pastoral leaders. You've got servant leaders. And what I think the role of deacons are scripturally, it, uh, th- their role is to assist the elders in carrying out the mission of Jesus in compassionate, practical, and God-honoring ways. And I'm going to say that again because I just think it's really important. The role of deacons, especially at Greenhouse is to assist the elders in carrying out the mission of Jesus. Specifically, the way they do it is in compassionate, practical, and God-honoring ways. So at Greenhouse, we hope that our elders... uh, come alongside serve teams and help serve team leaders. And maybe they provide grunt work or feedback or help in, in some sort of way with a serve team leader or a serve team co-leader or the serve team members, those particular teams. Um, also, one thing, another thing we want uh, deacons to do at the greenhouse is seek out and serve the vulnerable. Do we have uh, a vulnerable population of people within our church or uh, those within our church who are serving the vulnerable? And I, and I think about right now, we have several members at the greenhouse who are serving their parents um, that are shut-ins. And so while we don't have many shut-ins at the greenhouse per se, we have families who have parents who are shut-in. And so thinking of ways that we can relieve the burden from families and serve the families that are serving their family, it would be great for us to do. You know, when, when I think of the vulnerable in Scripture, um, I think of the word woe, you know, and, and I'm going to be a little cheesy here with the word woe. You spell woe, W-H-O-A. And so uh, the, the way I think about woe, the vulnerable of Scripture, is you've got your widows, um, you've got your hungry, you've got um, your orphan, and you've got your uh, alien, an alien meaning uh, foreigner, not, you know, our sci-fi 
definition of alien. So widow, a hungry, orphan, alien. Whoa. So when you see people that fit those categories, you you ought to think, whoa, these are the loved of God, the broken that 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 uh, aren't necessarily uh, th- their life situation doesn't make them any better than anybody else. But these are the the people that that God has called us to serve. And what's What's amazing is that when we serve them, you realize that they're actually serving you and, and God is using them to uh, and, and those folks to uh, expose our own brokenness and our, our need for Christ. And specifically, these are the people that deacons serve. So they help serve teams. They help serve the vulnerable. They help with practical stuff at church, the nuts and bolts of, of church life. We all have that uh, behind the scenes things. They also help give feedback and ideas to elders and their leadership and, and structure. And, and they're quick to identify any growing problems and help bring resolve. Just like Acts chapter six, when they identify the cultural snobbery, the organizational issues, they're, they're quick to identify things and uh, provide uh, feedback and help with problems. So oftentimes, and I, I hate to be negative here, but oftentimes I hear churches struggling with uh, deacons in a negative way. And instead of resolving problems, they're creating problems. And so the work of a deacon is not to create problems, but to resolve problems. And I think that's because we sometimes overlook what I'm going next. What I'm going to next is the qualifications for a deacon. Uh, Sometimes when we want to choose a deacon for a church, we think of their skill level rather than their character. Okay, well, he's a good banker or or she's a a good at accounting or uh, uh, he's a good businessman. Man, or, or he's an electrician, or there's some sort of HVAC skill that he can bring. You know, the, so we, we sometimes look at people simply based on their competencies or their skills. But God wants us first, as you see in Acts 6, and as you see in 1 Timothy 3, God wants us first to look at their character, their individual character. When you read 1 Timothy uh, 3.8, you know, they must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to wine, not greedy for gain. They must hold the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. They've got to be tested first. We watch them, basically, to see their lifestyle. Let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Then it goes on to their family qualifications. Their wives um, must be dignified, not slanderous, sober-minded, faithful in all things. And what's interesting about verse 11 is the translators take a little bit of liberty with this word because it doesn't actually say their wives. It says the women. The women must likewise. So there's a, there's a question here. Uh, is this t- referring to women deacons? And, and to be honest, I, I think it does um, in uh, 1 Timothy 3.11. And the reason I think it does is because when you look back at the qualifications for elders, it never mentions a wife in the qualifications for elders, but it does mention women in the qualifications for deacons. So um, then let deacons each be, you know, the husband of one wife, managing their children, their own households well for those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that's in Christ Jesus. Reading from 1 Timothy 3, 8 through uh, 15. So, you know, you see uh, examples of of a couple of deacons throughout Scripture, which I mentioned in Romans 16:1, Phoebe, who served the church. So, so the the primary importance here is is their character, their individual character, their family uh, character, their their community reputation, a, a person of integrity and great character. And then Acts adds with this the qualification of a deacon: um, they need to be filled with the Spirit. They need to live under the control and reign of Jesus through his spirit. They need to be filled with the spirit, not depending on themselves, but depending on God to help them with whatever it is they're doing and be filled with wisdom. And so we first have to, when we select deacons, we first have to look at their character. Uh, 
are they are they uh, men and women of godliness um, and have a longevity of faithfulness in serving Christ and proving themselves to be deacons and basically giving someone a title who's already showing themselves to be a servant. So the process at Greenhouse, if you're just kind of wondering about what we do at Greenhouse, one, we we watch people. Um, you know, I know that may sound weird or uh, sketchy, but, you know, we watch, uh, you know, people's posture of servant servanthood and service. And who are those people? Then we ask people, okay, who would you say would, is a servant in the church? And getting some suggestions and recommendations. And uh, at Greenhouse, we don't do official nominations necessarily, but we do sort of this grassroots like asking people, who would you nominate? Who would you suggest? Who do you say? And um, and then we invite those people to be a part of a servant leader class, a six or seven week servant leader class to learn what the scriptures say about deacons and what we expect at Greenhouse. And then there's a few I guess you might call them application questions turned in. They sit with elders for a time of prayer and questions to go over that. And then we would present them to the church to say, hey, here's here's some individuals who are saying they want to have the posture of serving you and assisting the elders, pastoral leaders, in the carrying out the mission of Jesus in compassionate, practical, God-honoring ways. Let's pray over this for 30 days. If you have any red flags, come and share with us. Um, and hopefully we've come to a process where there won't be any, but it, it's important for the people to affirm that, to celebrate that. to um, And so that's what we do after a period of 30 days. Affirm, celebrate, and then appoint these um, appoint with authority these these persons who would serve. Uh, and the end result, we hope, is the same as Acts 6-7. So the end result is this, that they carry out the mission of Jesus from a compassionate side. Acts chapter 7 says that once these elders were appointed, that uh, the word of God continued to increase and the number of disciples multiplied. And so that's really uh, sort of uh, Acts, the, the author of Acts, Luke's way of summary summarizing the practical benefit of what just happened in appointing these people to address the issues of cultural snobbery and organizational capacity and meeting the practical needs of widows among the Hellenists and the Hebrews in that particular context. It, it's saying the practical outcome of that is that the word of God continued to increase and disciples were made. And so that's what we hope too at Greenhouse is that when, once we put uh, deacons in place is disciples are made, the word of God continues to increase, compassion is carried out, and the conclusion uh, is that God is honored. So uh, when we look at deacons, I want to close with this, folks, that we hope that it, being a deacon, a servant leader, is more of a posture than a position. It's more the posture of serving more than a position or a title. Um, and then uh, at the very end, what it will show us is the the Savior who said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. So being a deacon is actually an incredible display of the good news of Jesus who served us. And then it says this in 1 Timothy 3, 3.13, it says, those who serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So, so I want to say lastly that the position of deacon isn't sub in importance to elder. It's it's a co-laboring together, and it uh, this position of serving, though it is behind the scenes, uh, 1 Timothy 3, 13, Paul writes to the, his mentee Timothy to say the position of deacon is actually an incredible position. You get good standing for yourself and great confidence 
in Christ Jesus. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I hope that this is helpful in our discussion of deacons and the process at Greenhouse, the qualifications, and perhaps you may want to serve in a role of deacon one day with us at the Greenhouse. So just look for ways to get plugged in and uh, keep growing in godliness and character and and let it be known that that may be one way you want to serve with us in the future. Um, May the Lord bless his church and his people and the word of God. Thanks so much for listening. We're currently going through something we're calling the 100-Day Puzzle Challenge, where we're watching one Bible project video for 100 days to help us gain understanding of the narrative of Scripture. The link for this playlist will be in the show notes. You can find the link to Sunday's Gathering, along with the link to our page on the Church Center app in the show notes as well. If you have any questions, please send us a message on Instagram or Facebook at The Greenhouse Athens. We would love to connect with you.